0: Good afternoon, you're very welcome to Scariff Bay Community Radio and Local Media This Week. The programme where we look at the local print media, the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo, and we have a look and see what's, uh, what are they talking about in those papers this week. Local Media This Week is sponsored, kindly sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography. We're joined by, with most of our, our usual uh, panel, uh, Pat O'Brien. Pat, you're very welcome. Thanks, Jim. And David Fleming. David, you're welcome. Welcome back, Jim. And we have, we've no John S. Uh, John S. will be out for a couple of weeks. But off the bench again is Luke Fleming. Luke, good to see you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jim. So, looking at, I suppose we'll start, where else to start, Pat, but on the front paper, the front pages of the of the newspapers. Yeah, the echo, the echo,
1: <coughs> the echo they Jim, is cheap. Keep the doors locked and the windows shut. Probably because the store here in the front of the echo. Tiffs and burglaries are increasing in across County Clare. It is up to the public to, public to easily curb the rising numbers, the Chief Superintendent has said. Keep the phones hopping, keep the doors locked and the windows shut. But the famous closing lines from Pet Shots and John Kennedy, the iconic um, crimebusters' skit in the Indian Relievables. Yes, a similar sentiment was expressed by Chiefs of the Clare and Tipperary Garda Division, Connemouth Sullivan, speaking at a meeting of the Clare Giant Policy Policing Committee on the subject of thefts and burglaries. The 2022 figures for the county have shown an overall rise in thefts of 48%. thefts from shops are up 29 and with burglaries increased by 16. percent thefts can easily be prevented by our They are very easily preventable, or Sullivan stated. If they the best amount of such incidents, the when cars are left and locked, our doors open.
0: Hmm. I know this, uh, you, that's on YouTube, that video, that uh, they've done, and but, uh, it, it, it is so funny. funny I mean, it is very, very funny, but yeah. this isn't funny, it's a serious matter. Uh, but, Jim,
2: what I would say is that um, it's, it's a little bit... Uh, A bit scaremongery. I don't know what the Clare Joint Policing Committee... Any time it's being reported on, we always get a sort of a scary headline. Um, The fact probably is that the previous year, when it was during COVID, thefts declined. So the baseline was very low. And it might be just returning to a kind of a normal-ish level. Now, of course, any theft and burglary is bad. And what they're saying, you know... Um, be 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 savvy and don't leave your windows and your doors open. Like that's good advice. Mm. But but this su- the hint or the suggestion is that things are going up and up. And I you know you'd hope that maybe we'd get a little bit of context to this.
0: Well, I know listeners to Saturday Chronicle on Scarlet Bay Community Radio at ten o'clock every Saturday morning, where we have East Clare Garden Focus. And as often as not, there's no crime to report. Mm. You know, and even when some things are reported, maybe you know, stealing some bit of farm machinery or something like that, mm-hmm. or from a shop. But there, there aren't that many yeah. reports. Yeah. I can't remember any. Of the, of
2: You'd any. say it to be fairly normal reporting, nothing out of the ordinary, would no, you? But,
0: but usually they will say, or they start off saying, there was no crime yeah. to report yeah.
1: this week. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it the increase in burglaries was also recorded. Going from 130 in 2021 to 151 in 2022, a rise of 16%. There's been a reduction in the amount of thefts from moving or parked vehicles. The 2022 figures of 110 is lower than the 145 of 2021. Yeah, of 2021, and represents a drop of 29%. But you can
2: see what I'm saying, Pat. It's but like it's like comparing air, flights out of Shannon yeah. today and last year, yeah, or yeah. two years ago. Mm. It's not fair to compare them because yeah. of the pandemic, and, and people were indoors, and even the criminals, some of them were indoors yeah. less. Yes. Less opportunities for these speculative crimes. A lot of these things. You are. See and
0: they're They were allowed, allowed to be stopped by a normal guard at checkpoint and say, "What are you doing oh, exactly. here? Yes. Where do you live? Yeah. Where are you yeah. going?" And are you outside your five kilometres? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember are just growing up in Scarlet. Not alone were the doors not locked, the key was locked in them. You remember that. Too? yeah, yeah, yeah. But I suppose those are. are long, long gone. Long gone. S- yeah, I
1: suppose stealing F- uh, um, from a car that's open and a, and a house that's open is opportunistic mm-hmm. as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You know? yeah, Yeah. So what the guards are saying, I mean, is common sense, and I suppose we should all
2: remind ourselves that these are the things that we should be paying attention to. Yeah,
0: and there are various numbers available where, you know, the Guard can circulate. The number of a car or the type of car in an area that's acting suspiciously. Exactly, and, and that's uh, that's yeah. a, a very good thing. Now, the other I suppose looking at the front page of the Clare Champion, and where we don't like patients waiting on trolleys, the UL Group CEO says management worry about the risks associated with overcrowding every day. Well, that's not there's nothing much in that, that in terms of a a surprise.
2: Well, you wouldn't want her to be saying the opposite, would you? No. This is Colette Cowan, the Chief Executive of chief executive Officer of U, of the U, University. I hate when it's UL Hospitals Group because that's not the right term at all. It implies that it's my institution running the place. Um, it's the University Hospital Group. Limerick is the technical um, um, place. It's UHL. And uh, she's just, of course, stating the obvious. Um, But she'd want to do something about it, and the rest of them would want to do something about it. But anyway, Professor Cowan's comments coincide with the publication of INMO figures, which showed UHL was, again, the most overcrowded hospital in the country in February when there were 1,561 patients on trolleys. This compared to 1,041 patients who were waiting for a bed in the second worst hospital, Cork University Hospital. And was almost three times higher than Sligo University Hospital on five hundred and twenty-eight uh, in fifth place. So uh, once again, unfortunately, uh, a record that we don't want to be seeing.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Just uh, I I was um, going through my phone tonight and I was reading an article on on doctors and uh, seven hundred and twenty-five doctors qualified in twenty twenty-one. And four hundred and twenty five of them immigrated. Uh, four hundred and forty immigrated. Yes. There were seven hundred and twenty five um, yes. qualified. And two thirds. Th- and four forty immigrated. Mm-hmm. And then they done a survey on, on the doctors out in most of which to Australia. And they done a survey on the doctors out there and they, they said the there's um, there better working conditions and uh, there's this was better weather and, it is, and, and, their, and, and, and the experience and that experience. they get, like a lot yeah. of them,
2: a lot of, for years, people doctors um, have gone abroad for further training, yeah. but the, the thing is, they come back. Yeah. What yeah. appears to be happening this time, Pat, is that they're not
1: coming they're back. not coming back. No, no. Yeah. said that the, the, the Irish, um, you know, the, the working conditions in Ireland were very tough. Yeah, you know that the you know, journal doctors would say, "What well, if they work excessive hours?"
0: Exactly. Mm. And we—I know we've said this before, and we're repeating ourselves. But like, why would you blame any yeah. young, young people, doctors yeah, yeah. to go mm. abroad, wherever they are mm. in Australia? Yep. Mm. The only reason they come back would be family reasons. Yeah, sentimental questions. reasons. Yes. Mm. But certainly wouldn't come back because they want to get into the no
2: under the HSE. But anyway, this goes on, um, this article by Dan Danagher. She was asked if overcrowding will reduce over the coming months. Professor Cowan said she is hopeful overcrowding will come down, but added this will take time. And this is the interesting bit. The first 96-bed block will take two years, whatever way we try to speed it up. We are currently working on a bid for the second 96-bed block we are trying to fast track this and get both of them up and running in five years. We're talking years now. Mm. Mm. I mean, well, we're in we the emergency have, at the moment. Have
3: we not been talking years? Say we have. We've been talking about this for years, and I yeah. get out my uh, record that's been worn out. <laughs> we don't do forward planning in this country no. because what's going to happen? That in five years' time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, our population we'll will have be expanded. Older. It will probably have expanded yeah. again. Yeah. And it'll be the exact same yeah, because yeah, that's yeah, how it's yeah, been. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. said since two thousand and nine. No one would say it was perfect before two thousand and nine. No. Right? Uh, because we even when you had the emergency departments in Ennis and Nina, the emergency department in Limerick was a total joke. Right? And then you just so they shut two down and the one in Limerick they got a new emergency department and it's just a bigger joke. Right? Like, there is nothing in that article that sort of says, you know, as if management was doing everything possible to re- reduce overcrowding, uh, uh, Colette Collins said, quote, absolutely, day in, day out, despite what people may think, the management worked so hard, over and above their hours, to try and address this issue.
0: What have they done in the last seven or eight years? Yeah. Hmm. And, yeah. Address yeah. The issue. and building extra wards isn't going to solve the problem. No. Because they need to hold to what Pat was talking about there. The, the, the doctor's are staff. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. As I said, no. Uh, and uh, I said we'd be the first to tri- we could criticise and critique things, but no one will really give out about the service you get once you're in the system. But mm. well, it's to physically get mm. into the system. Mm. In. Mm. Yeah.
2: What yeah. doesn't inspire confidence is the responses to the questions. Um, uh, what have you done? Yeah. Oh, we're doing everything. we c- yeah, yeah, But okay. what is the concrete step? So yeah, you know, I, uh, what is the result of the work? I
3: talk of it, ask the question daily. Uh, this has been ongoing since we would say we give it 2012. Point out to me since 2012, what have you done to change that? Yeah yeah. no, there are a few things off to the top of the head, the top of the head you could come up with. Uh, was overcrowding bad 2012. Probably wasn't great, 2013, 2014, 2015. The elephant in the room is overcrowded. Mm. So they can go and say, oh, well, we brought in this new system, we brought in that new system, you know, but what have you done about overcrowding? Mm. Mm. The, no, mm. it's not all their fault because you could say lack of investment and an increasing population, and there is no other hospitals being built around the rest of the country, neither. Are all issues that could be considered. But... Oh, that's the planning you were talking about. Yeah, that's, the that's the planning. We, we plan. know yeah, that the population is getting older and bigger. Yeah, That's national policy, but it's like we know what's happening, but we're doing sweet FA about yeah, it. Yeah, the yeah. next topic we're probably going to talk about is another great example of We know what is there and we're doing sweet FA about it. But, but the management of the hospital, what, are, what have they done in relation yeah. to people on trolley over the last yeah, seven
1: years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in recent times, they have decided elective? Isn't it elective hospitals? Yes. For um, I don't know Dublin, Cork, and Galway. Why 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 couldn't they have put one in between and have one in Limerick? Do you know, um, like Limerick uh, seems to be a problem. I'll tell you, it's a problem. All the time. Because it because could be, be, be partly department. the
2: first thing that you've mentioned. The, they can't probably get the surgeons, or that the contracts aren't right for the mm-hmm. surgeons mm-hmm. and the consultants.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, and we need don't need have them. nurses either. They're they the other category.
0: We don't have the politicians.
2: And the politicians. How yeah. do
0: private hospitals? Um, how are they able to function without queues and um, without the struggle to get in? Because <laughs>
2: there's no a and Yeah, a lot of them don't but have any. They have 24-hour yeah. No, but yeah. but also it's a much smaller population who can afford those see,
1: hospitals. See, they're not in, in, like the pro- the problem actually
2: in Limerick in is in accident in and emergency. In. Because once you, as John Kelly, who who quoted this a few weeks back, he had no problem getting in, but he didn't go through accident and emergency.
0: But why do the private hospitals not seem to have the same difficulty about recruiting doctors and nurses? Well,
2: my, my I have no idea, but my supposition is they're paid a lot more.
0: Yeah, probably. And is that, you know, would would more payment increasing and. and Oh, that's to be paid for, of course. Yeah. Increase the number of doctors, nurses, whatever. That brings down the workload. The and the rostering. You <laughs> you've had the issue
3: for years uh, when they were crimming over the contracts being given to consultants with the result that a lot of people said, well, I'm not staying, hanging around here. And as Pat has alluded to, they go abroad where mm-hmm. they're treated better. Mm-hmm. So you have the you have the issue sometimes with sort of treating private patients in public hospitals and that whole side of things as well, but the number of consultants in the country isn't 50,000, it's a relatively small amount of people and the amount of money that would be involved in, in you know, I, I'm not, no, they get well paid, don't get me wrong. But the difference between probably what they think their value is and what the you know the government has decided their value is there's a little bit of a, a gap mm. between But mm. it's no other than different organisations around the country, and I, you could even look at um, the hospitality sector struggling for staff for a mm. number of reasons. But one is probably wages. Mm. Yes. And there may be premises that can afford to pay higher wages. And probably not too many at the minute because you know they're paying extra energy costs and stuff like that. But the ones that would probably pay a little bit above the average, they'll get the staff.
0: Yeah. Mm. So are we, as a country then, and as a taxpayer, uh, willing to pay, which happens in some European countries, pay X percent more in tax for a functioning health service? I would, think- we do want to pay for anything. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say,
2: I was going to say most people would, would want to pay for that, because... The likelihood is all of us are probably going to end up in hospital at some stage yeah, in yeah. our lives, mm-hmm. and we would like to think that um, we would have a functioning health system mm-hmm. in the country uh, to care for both the wealthy and the less and the less well off, no matter us, who you are.
0: Keep us going for as uh, long.
1: so that we can complain <laughs> as long <often> as possible. <laughs> well, There's another problem there with consultants as well, where the government might want to apply more consultants, and some of the, the consultant groups want any additional ones on as well because well,
0: you know, who's in charge then, the government yeah. is in you,
1: have, you have that problem as well there because yeah. there's a bit of, uh, of torn and frown there with, yes. with consultants and
0: but I,
1: can new ones yeah.
2: I would love to hear our politicians speak more about solutions to yeah. health problems oh, I think yeah. our politicians are afraid <laughs> of the <laughs> issue, yeah. I know Luke is laughing yeah. at me but sure there's
3: an election <laughs> coming in a year and a half yeah. Yeah. you'll hear lots of talk. And yeah. the air will be increasingly getting hotter. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: And below That's all you're going to hear. But all we've heard this week is about some TD who didn't apply properly. For, for planning, his planning commission, And that's been going back over the last like few years, years ago, ago. with yeah. different people. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And that, that, cover, that that's the, yeah. the media's yeah. coverage this week. Okay, we need to go on. Luke, page 9 is declared champion. There's a beautiful photograph there on page 9. Where was that taken? I'd say um, on somebody's <laughs> computer. I, think, yeah.
3: I, I, I just allude would say, on page five, the ESB have a, an ad in the champion. ESB to host public exhibitions on money Point offshore wind. Now, yeah. So then we go on to page nine, where uh, Bridget Guinness who uh, previously has written in the champion in relation to um, a sort of energy matters. And she's now uh, been quoted on Clarefront Council as a, a Green Party uh, councillor. So just she writes a very good article in relation to it. But there's a nice sort of picture there on the Money Point offshore wind farm. And would be long the Jim, I don't know, and I'd be around to see oh, <laughs> it? Oh, dear. I said, because, the we said, the government hasn't done very much to enact uh, the proper, you know, to get the regulatory side of things up and running. But anyway, I'll, 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 uh, while remaining the sceptic, I'll just sort of uh, say that there's an exhibition uh, next Tuesday, the 7th of March, and Wednesday. Uh, the 7th is at the Stella Maris Hotel in Key <laughs> and yeah. Wednesday, 4th to 8th in, in the Golf Club in Kilrosh. and the quote is, money Point Offshore Wind Farms ESB's flagship floating offshore wind development project proposed in Ireland. That's the one that uh, Telenor and a few other companies have already pulled out of. But anyway, uh, if if developed, and this is this is what they're saying, if developed, mm. right, the project will be located 60 to 20 kilometers off the Clare Kerry Coast with a total project capacity of between 1 gigawatt and 1.5 gigawatt. And for those of you that sort of like watch Back to the Future, you would have heard Professor... Uh, Round talking about you know one point five gigawatts to sort of yes. call it the DeLorean, um, the current <laughs> the average load in the whole of the country at the minute requirement for electricity is between six and seven the maximum yeah. load on any given day, but, yeah uh, I think. And there was one day over the winter where it went over 7, which is the first time it has ever done that, but it's probably between 6.5 and, and 7.
2: That's the energy that's needed.
3: Yes, yes. Mm. So, so this is basically saying that it could provide 20% of it. But,
2: but that's well. at current levels. And again, when we're looking at the amount of data centres that we're planning and, mm. the, and the natural increase that we will have if we're all moving to electric vehicles and everything else, mm. that number will go up. Very quickly, Luke, won't it? Well,
3: uh, it, it will increase, them, but you see, there's another way you could look at it as well. But like you said that if, if more energy efficient houses and buildings and offices are in the system, the energy requirements to mm-hmm. power them will mm-hmm. mm-hmm. be reduced. Mm-hmm. To a yeah, certain extent,
2: yeah. You know? but our population but, will go up as well so there'll be more of us around in 50 and 100 years time I'd like to just to read this because this kind of comes back to the last point that we were talking about and we often we often cite the Scandinavian countries as the exemplars in terms of the services they provide and the nature of their democracy and so on this is Bridget Ginnity talking here now about reaping the benefit the winds from the Atlantic Ocean are the oil wells of the future just think that at present we have a national debt of over €200 billion. I'll repeat that now again, €200 billion billion. Norway, a country around the same size, has a national savings of over €1,000 billion. They have no national debt. They have actually saved money. How did they do it? The Norwegian government has collected royalties on gas and oil production for many decades with unlimited offshore wind power and with the correct approach, and that's probably the critical thing, with the correct approach to collection of taxes and royalties, Ireland will be able to do the same and convert a national debt into a national surplus. Energy will be cheaper under our own control and we will not have to rely on expensive fossil fuels now. Is that wishful thinking? <laughs> is
1: our government like as a people of course we should demand it. We, we don't we do think this is, this is going to happen but I, I was looking at a uh, um, uh, um, an article about um, wind production over in, in Holland, and they're putting up 140 windmills of Holland, and the blades are 200 metres. That's one and a half times the length of the each blade, and they a 100 ready to go, and they have 40 more, there's 40 more to be put up, mm. and it's going to power it is estimated to power one and a half million homes. Mm.
0: Do we need a Michael O'Leary type figure to be put in charge of, of this activity and be saying, "Get on with it? Are, are we too much in committees? Are we too much yeah. with civil servants? Is there too much red tape? Well, uh, is there too much chewing yeah, and froing?
2: I probably agree with you, Jim, because um, you know we established the ESB in the 1920s to produce electricity and to sort out the network and that's the, their only mm. job and that's what they've done and they've done a good job for the last hundred years and we might
1: need we might need a similar agency and they have the National Board they know and at least they're getting and they will still finished yeah I have?
3: they're getting
1: on I'm happy you are but
3: so I think what, but how long have you <laughs> but I, I don't, think you're yeah.
2: right, if we leave, if, if the government continue to drag their heels, which they are doing, and yeah. like we have a Green Party in government for a reason, the people want to, the people who voted for them want to see this happen, but they mm. seem to can't even get it going. Now I know it's it, they are getting it going, but it's just seemingly at a snail's
0: pace. Yeah, yeah. We, two years ago we were still talking yeah. about
1: this. People, like people talk about, no, Ireland going to be uh, exploiting energy. But uh, I don't know. I see in, in, in another article I, um, I read about down in in, in France they have seventy. They're ready to drop seventy of those uh, turbines off of, mm-hmm. of France from Cherbourg, and they have all the they have all the stuff down there, and down there. they're they're putting all together. Uh, there's only one port in Ireland that's capable of doing any of that. That's up in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Of, it's of, the, of large uh, enough and wide enough for, for any planning. Is there
0: any planning system that allows one person in, Tom or Scariff or whatever, to object, Easy now. object <laughs> to something off the coast of Mayo, for example?
2: Yeah, but yes. that's why we. But, but, but we have under the law strategic, I can't remember what the exact phrase is, but the law provides for strategic national purposes, like a motorway or something, to bypass the local authority and go straight to Embora-Panola. And that was an attempt to outdo those uh, certain level of ejections. And I would, you know, we're waiting still for the enactment or the, the formation of the sea authority that would provide. Like that was announced. Over a year, that was announced perhaps two over two
1: years
0: ago, and, and we things still things haven't seen it. Things shouldn't take that long. They shouldn't.
1: How come are those other countries uh, like the, the likes of Holland? Uh, put up 140 huge
0: yeah. ones.
3: Plan.
1: France, yeah, yeah, plan. in advance, yeah. Mm. yeah.
0: Okay, we we'll go on. Uh, from the siege to the land. There's a bishop in Ennis, uh, Pat, and he's <laughs> going into selling some land.
1: Yeah, bishop to push on with sale on college grounds. Uh, the bishop of Cielo, Man mannaghan has confirmed that the diocese intends to press ahead with the sale of a Greenfield site in St Francis College in spite of opposition by staff at the college t- to the move. The sale is to facilitate a £25 million HSE plan for a 100-bed community hospital in the church green space at the college grounds. Bishop Monaghan conferred the DICE's intention to proceed with the sale as the HSD lodged new documents with Clare County Council to advance the controversial planning application. In placing the proposal on hold last September, the Council demanded that the HSD clearly outline confirmation by school authorities or management that the subject lens are not required for any potential future school expansion on the the community's own lens. it looks like they're going to push on with it anyway. Um, the the Flannins are still objecting to the, the staff, and they can go on. They can put in a, a proposal now to to, to object yes. if they want to. Who the the, the staff of St Flannan's College can yeah. still object. There. What's to, your know. own view,
2: Pat? Do you want to? W- w- would you want to see the place built, the community hospital, or would you want it kept for St Flannan's school purposes?
1: I you know. I, I, um, all that ground round St. Andrews is nice, and just, just you know, just um, you, you probably need um, facilities there around, it, it's green space mm. close enough to the college. There's a big area out under 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 Road where the where the old um, old areas. Hospital is and they have a big, a big, a, big, a, big, a, big, a lot of land there. And a did, didn't. So you're saying
2: there are alternatives for put, the HSE community, community hospital? NDL, really? Yeah. So
0: no? I, I think, I'm thinking of other things back. I was in Krakow last week and, and they have a lovely, a fabulous tram system mm. in the city. Mm. We had a tram system in Dublin up to the 1950s mm. and we tore it all up. We did. Uh, we had fantastic, in the late 50s, we had a railway system in Dublin. I'm thinking of the Harcourt Street line, mm, mm, which mm. we decided to tear up and sell. Yeah. Within 20 years, uh, there were tens of thousands of houses being built along the Harcourt Street line, crying out for. Yeah. And years later, they built the Lewis. Yeah. I mean, we, we tend to sell things too hastily. Too hastily. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. when there are other, if there's no other alternative, yeah. I would say I'd agree with that there are other alternatives that should be looked at because who knows what mm. flannons will need
1: mm. in yeah. an education system in yeah. 20, 30, 40 years' yeah. time. There is a fine you know? size, uh, the old uh, Our Lady's Hospital out yes. in the yes. Dark Road and is a uh, derelict.
0: It is. It's a derelict have, for years. There's
1: probably. a huge amount of land around it that, that <laughs> is, is actually zoned for for commercial development by the, by yeah. the council. Yeah. Well, why do you think they they want to put the hospital there? They're they're, like, there must be some reason it's for it's putting about, it there. It's all about money David. It's
0: will they some, get a soft deal from the bishop? It's all, really?
1: it's all about money. The, the 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 diocese will be getting a big a big a big, a big from the state for for this for this site. Right. No, is that what the bishop is interested he, in? So he asked there. He he has been asked there. Well, how much how much it is? But he says there it is a. Uh, um, you know, just, um, it, that's confidential. It's confidential. Says, yeah, mm-hmm. it won't be revealed. I yes. Want, and, with, yes. I, I just want, and if they have, and if they have uh, anything to do with it, they won't reveal it at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unless it comes out by <laughs> some other
0: means.
2: Well, we hope our journalists will uh, will keep an eye on that story for us.
0: Okay, I see. Um, Parry McMahon is continuing his series of. Interviews with TDs.
3: Yeah. What uh, pages?
0: Uh, 10 and 11
3: uh, in, in the Echo, and it's the fourth of a four-part trilogy, I suppose. Uh, and it's Violet and Wayne uh, is in uh, the, the profile this week. And like all the other weeks, there's uh, three articles. Uh, there's a, an interview with uh, Violet and yourself. Then there's uh, a few other bits and pieces there as well. And we encourage, uh, as always, everyone... To if you want to read it, you can get the paper edition or it'll be in, on the digital version as well and if you have a subscription.
1: look. there's a, a photograph there of Violet Haine and um, Councillor Donna McGittigan and, and they're, they're very petty there. But maybe in the next general you know, election they mightn't be as petty.
3: Exactly. Oh, and I'm sure it'll be all <laughs> for you. <laughs> so, uh, and, and they're not the only politicians that are pictured in the papers uh, this this week. Because, uh, uh, there's another bit there, I suppose, that we we talk about later, uh, Jim. You, you know, we say there's a few councillors pictured on, on the back of uh,
0: the back of the papers. Okay. Well, listen, we we reached the halfway stage and um, as always at half time we like to bring a little light musical relief so Pat has uh, his notebook out and uh, what, are you, what have you prepared for us today Pat?
1: Well, Christy Dignam, I suppose he's not very really well at the present time and we wish him the best and right. Edison and uh, Crazy Crazy World
0: ok well uh, fabulous, performed at the festival in Scarif a few years ago yeah. uh, mm. Christy and Aslan so Crazy World Welcome back, you're listening to local media this week on Scarif Bay Community Radio, and Pat's choice there for the halftime break was uh, Christy Dignam and Aslan with Crazy Words, and we send Christy our best wishes with his current uh, health situation. Now, looking at part two, and there's, there isn't a lot of material about East there in this week's paper. No,
2: we it? were surprised that the Clare Echo has doesn't have an East Clare page this week. I think Luke, and I right in saying that? Uh, no, or do they, have, does, does, do they have something? Doesn't
3: doesn't appear to be, but uh, yeah. I uh, You get the impression there's a lot in the Echo, you know,
1: content-wise. Uh, there, there's one or two things the that f- are miss, uh, missing, you know, the, 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 no. the quiz. The quiz no. yeah. I think uh, the opening of Christine Railway Stop is taking all
2: the East Clare yeah, page. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, well,
2: but, but, but we well, should well. feel a little aggrieved because Shannon always gets its notice, West Clare is in there, oh sorry, East Clare is there, there's there's, there's a half a page, we're sharing it with West Clare, they've divided the county between us, Sive marks Shannon side return is one of the stories and uh, Wall honoured at, at awards, this is John Wall who, yes. who was involved in the Irish Cancer Society Research Awards but um, you know there must be more going on in East Clare than just those two bits of stories.
0: Well, there seems to be a lot. Oh, something that's going on everywhere. is hedge cutting. There is. And uh, David, something caught your eye in relation to hedge
2: cutting. Well, I did. I saw this because I know some of our councillors are very agitated about um, hedge cutting. But, of course, we're, this is page 12 of the Echo. Um, hedge cutting from hell. Mm. Um, by This is a quote from a, f- a fountain resident... Uh, which is in Kilcullish Fountain near Ennis. And uh, they seemingly had a very nice country road. And you know those roads, uh, small little by-roads, and the hedges are forming a tunnel. Oh, well, yeah. mm. And the residents liked this. I mean, it's a fairly rural road. There was only two, um, two people maybe living down it. But anyway, um, the council, a council contractor came along presumably within the appropriate time frame because you're not allowed to cut hedges from the 1st of March uh, under the Wildlife Act now. But um, anyway, it has been cut. And you know the way you see some hedges really get destroyed. They use some sort of a blunt sort of cutting. Yeah, yeah but de- de- cutting.
3: I, I, no, I, I can understand why it's a bit raw. It's not going to look great. But do you remember when the new footpath went in between... Killaloo, and Tumgrey. It's do. not that long. I
2: time, do, I do, yeah.
3: And a lot of work went on in relation to that. And a lot of quote-unquote butchery took place. And would you notice any of it now? Yeah, no,
2: I take your point on that one. But this little road, and I know these roads myself, you know, the council considers them. Uh, the council did a report here uh, in 2022, it was inspected, and it was found to be, quote, sub, "has a substandard condition," and as a result, had been put forward for, for wait for it, restoration maintenance for 2023. Now, the restoration is get rid of the canopy, mm. um, and to put it all back and cut all, and you know, make it open. Whereas the residents are making, uh, making the point is, well, there's actually nothing wrong with it. You know, these are hawthorn bushes, and by the looks of the picture anyway, they're not big trees, they're hawthorn bushes. So I, can, I get your point, it'll grow back, but it's the council's attitude to these things. I was driving home from the University of Iowa Broadford today, um, or during the week, I should say, and some lovely trees um, just after Broadford had been, had been cut.
3: And, and if you notice, a bit of hacking has taken place. And a bit of hacking, I know, I know. Notice again? Well, I, well,
2: I'd be, I think you would notice the loss of the trees because they're lovely beech trees, and it's this this safety culture that we're in. That, and it's the farmers are obliged and the residents are obliged to cut down because if they fall, you're liable. You know, they threaten, and the council would have sent letters out in the past to farmers they,
1: you know, you will be liable if this tree falls in a storm. I think it's a, an overreaction. If you're if travelling the countryside, no, most of the most of the hedges are cut down. I always cut down my hedges every well, September October, yeah. every yeah. year, with a machine. Yeah, well that's the right thing. Now they haven't been trimmed back. they've been causing people to trim them because there's the safety issues, you know. Yeah, I was in.
0: White I gate think, but I think
1: week. Pat, sorry, Jim, yeah. I think Pat, they're overdoing the safety
2: point. Yeah, Pat, yeah.
0: Pat, yeah. Possibly, I was in white Gate during the week. And there are an enormous amount of trees cut down uh, in the area, one particular area in between White Gate and Mount Shannon I passed
2: that the other day and I saw it, noticed yeah. that too. Late. they're
0: all at the roadside. Yeah. Or yeah. most yeah. of it are yeah. 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 sometimes it's stretching it to see it at the roadside. Yeah. But it's it's it looks terrible, I would have yeah. to say it looks mm. terrible. We're not happy either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen. Pat, you spotted something about the RNLI in Tillaloo. Yeah. You know, the RNLI is a great service to have, uh, particularly when you need it, and when you're underwater water and you're in difficulty.
1: Yeah, and Jessica Quinn is a story here on page nine, Jim. And married couple, yeah. uh, couple who have been volunteering with the Lough and RNLI for over a decade and urging others to push the boat out and get involved with the service. The RNLI is looking for new fundraising volunteers to join this life-saving crew at Lockdale, just like the, the charity lifeboats. The RNLI's funding team need a dedicated volunteer crew. Volunteers are the heart of the RNLI and make up mental percent of the people. They are only people who do extraordinary things, and without them, the organisation couldn't continue to save lives at sea or inland waters. So I suppose they are just appealing for them, maybe more um, volunteers and um, I suppose they need money as well and they will have to take money as well. Yes, whatever. Uh, we are going to have um, an alum then that does a lot of um, work for them in L.I. Joe Quigley will be on with us in a couple of weeks time and, uh, and, and Saturday Chronicles so we will we'll, 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 yeah. we'll be talking to Joe. And then this we'll isn't short of words. words. Well, okay. no. <laughs> okay. So we will be talking to Joe on that as well. Lovely.
0: We, we heard recently, of a, um, and it's on page seven in the Car Champion. a historic find will paint, paint a picture of Clare's past. And of course, when, when we heard about this on Scarif Community Radio, like any good radio station, we sent our men, our <laughs> news hounds there, uh, to have a look at this and to investigate for himself, David.
2: That's right. I had a look at this. This is, um, this is a, a vast collection of estate papers. Um, that were located by a colleague of mine in Mary Macleod College, Dr. Paul O'Brien. They were in the classic, the perfect classic story. They were in an attic. You know, you know the way you, you look in your attic and you might find some. Well, all of this stuff was in the attic. A man in Limerick had come by a whole set of uh, metal boxes that were being thrown out by a solicitor somewhere in Limerick. Um, years and years ago, this happened. And he collected them, and his wife told him, get rid of those boxes. But anyway, he put them up into the attic. And he's getting on in life, and he decided, well, I want to make sure that these are kept. So he, do, he gave them to Paul O'Brien, who, as I said, is a lecturer in, in Mary Macklin College. I went in the other night to have a look at them. They're exactly the type of papers that you would expect from a solicitor. They're very legal, legal to do with land, leases, purchasing, and so on. There is some clear interest. Um, there's the McDonald's, the McDonald Estate, which became the Armstrong McDonald Estate, uh, which, near Kilkee and Lishan. And uh, there's the, the O'Briens of Cracklow, uh, a good bit of material from them. Um, And there's other bits and pieces. He actually doesn't know what he has because there's about, I'd say there must be about 20 boxes of stuff. I opened one or two. Some have a lot of stuff. Some have a great deal more. It'll take a long, long time for them to be catalogued. But for people who, who would have had ancestors and who would have been interested in those places, I think they'd be interested. They'd probably find uh, find them. And in the absence, as the article by Dan Danaher talks about, you know, our records, our state records, including many of our legal records, went up in smoke in, in, smoke in 1922 at the beginning of the Civil War. Um, so there is a lot. So any time when these things come by, uh, they're worth they're worth um, having a look at and, and seeing. The other history-related thing, uh, Jim, before you want before we move on, is kind of a sad development, really. Um, the Clare the Clare Archaeological and Historical Society has decided to go out of business, to cease its functions. I'm not sure why. Presumably, it's running out of members, and that there's no interest in it. Um, and so they are its a, I think, a very old and venerable society. Um, and they're handing over whatever they've left in their uh, in their uh, coffers, one thousand three hundred sixteen euro, I can see there from the picture, to the library, so that they can declare county library, so that they can buy some materials of historic interest. But it's—it's it's kind of sad to see it, them go.
0: It is sad. Although. T- there has been a proliferation of groups, organisations, to study history, you know, in the, in the over the last 20 years.
2: True, and that's maybe the reason that they've fallen by the wayside, because there is a lot of competition out there now. There is.
0: Can I ask you just one question, referring back to the uh, to the um, Macdonald estate, uh, yeah. estate? What exactly will happen now with yeah. those papers? That, yeah. You know...
2: Yeah, well, the plan is, the hope is, Paul, yeah. I was talking to Paul, Paul, they're hoping firstly, the first thing you do is you sort them and you list them and you find out what's actually in there. He's hoping for money uh, to be able to do this because cataloging takes time. They don't really have an archive in Mary Immaculate College, So, but they, they're, they're providing a space for it. They're hoping for students to work, doctoral students to work on it. and to make it become ultimately accessible, But the very first stage is to figure out what they have. So a catalogue will be
1: produced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mary Lou wouldn't be related to those McDonald's, would she? But she might. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Way <Okay>. back. <laughs> you never know. Okay, um, look, Tom um, features again in the Clare Champion, um, where I think it's on page five of this week's Clare Champion, there's a lovely photograph there of Michael Blake speaking in Combray last September, returning home with the uh, in triumph with the, the uh, Agitator Trophy. But um, it's, he's not the only member of the Blake family who no, is involved well, in horses. Well, as I said, they're, uh, the family are, say, uh, renowned and very successful, and. Uh,
3: uh, yeah, a nice picture there that John Kelly took on that uh, nice evening we had back in September with Timmy looking on uh, in the background there. And uh, David Blake, who uh, has been chosen to uh, put on the green jacket at, uh the Four Star Nations Cup. Uh, first, uh, I said I'm not too well up with uh, the horsey type stuff, but uh, the Four Star Nation, uh, it's obviously not Five Star Nations Cup, but... Uh, um, there's a a few uh, people that, that will be involved. It would say people that we know and people that you've interviewed. Uh, would say David is going to be up with Claude, owned by Pine Hollow Farm. Uh, Keen O'Connor will be there with Berlux Looks owned by Coolmore Show Jumping. Cork Shane Sweetnam, with Namast Van... then I won't make a fool of myself I'm pronouncing that that name, owned by Shane Sweetnam. Tipperary's Max uh watchman with uh kilkenny and uh he was in he two was two in rainy as well uh and uh there is daniel coyle with legacy owned by daniel coyle so you know uh david has uh pedigree in uh the horse race show jumping uh, side of think that yes. horse racing uh into 2021 he led iron to a at the winter Equest- equestrian festival in florida and uh you know, so he's 20, 28 years old, so
0: we wish him the very best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Really, it's, it's great to see. As uh, suppose Michael Blake is, as, as chef to keep, he's trying to put, to match the horses and riders. Yeah, as
3: he has always said, is that he'll use plenty of
0: people with the aim to try
3: and get the best out of everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Yeah. Uh, uh, it's... Uh, I think
1: Ireland uh, in, in the Nations Cup we'll say during the whole season they could have two, maybe two teams on the, on the road or maybe three. Yes. And a lot of the nations would be the same way, you know, they'd have that have maybe a team in different shows around the, around the world.
0: And for the big events then or yeah. for the Olympics or something yeah. like that, they, they try to they have the best, the best team.
2: Yeah. yeah. The Olympics is only around the corner. It's next year in Paris, isn't it? That's right, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay,
3: Sting. Yeah, they say weeks, long time in politics. Uh, you know, a few months can be a long time in the horse, the show jumping yeah. yeah. things as yeah. well. You know, horse Ener- and
2: Ener- Ener- you know, Exactly. Feet, you know, all
0: that type of stuff. So, yeah. but hopefully, new horses coming on, and absolutely, and that's yeah. part of what they do yes. is, is mm-hmm. developing both horse and rider. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Staying with sport, page twenty-four of the Clare Echo. Um, and there's a there's a piece in the care echo there's a few a section on on golf yeah and, and I said I'd say none of us here are uh, great
3: uh connoisseurs of the game but there's a nice article there would say by Seamus Hayes we were sort of slagging uh, that there wasn't a huge amount of East there in, in the echo but there's a nice one-page uh, article here in relation to the costs uh, you know I would say to take up I would say golf for the year and uh, there's a few special offers there, €299 puts off cost to join as an associate member, uh, €528 euros, get back into golf or get into golf costs €350 euros year one, you know, so. Uh, and for 2023, club captains are Rachel Whelan and William Hayes, and club president is John Duffy. So, again, and if, we one, if one full
1: membership loop is 754? Yeah.
2: But it's highly competitive um, when looking at the prices. It's wonderful that they've produced the prices. So as Luke was saying, you can, you can join there, the cheapest rate in East Clare, uh, 299, it's the introductory offer. But if you go to Kilkeigh Golf Club, you'll get it for 165, and then Woodstock, 522 euro 50 cent if you don't mind <laughs> um up to the 31st of march is an introductory offer it's so there's lots of there's a fair bit of competition out there for these things but if you're local i suppose you want to go to the local place
0: and i suppose that kind of money is 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 cheap if you are big into golf you're probably out there yeah. every uh, every week at least, week, yeah. at least yeah. or, or yeah. a few times a week. Or a yeah. few times a week. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, anyway, it's great to see that,
3: and it's great to see the the golf club in general back on a strong footing. You know, they've had a few trying years there, like most premises had. Uh, you know, especially a lot of golf clubs. You think we probably have too many golf clubs in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, to make them all be a going concern, but. Uh, uh, there's a lot
0: of volunteers and go, going on there, and uh, we wish you the very best. Yes, and looking at the photograph there, an aerial view of the East golf course, yeah. and the, the building, the car park, and the, the golf village, right. where a lot of grass to be cut there, there recently. recently. Yeah, but we, were, we were there recently, John S and myself, interviewing uh, Lisha in the, one of the Ukrainians, yeah. Yeah. who yes. were um, who, who resident there, yeah. A lot of a lot of people. There's talk of a veterinary uh, college um, being set up uh, in the UL, David.
2: Uh, that's, well, we hope so. Um, this is, it goes back to our earlier conversation about the shortage of doctors, because now also we have a shortage of vets. Um, and there is only one veterinary school in the country. It's, it's at UCD. It's been at UCD for a very long time. And uh, there is now also a bit like the loss of nurses and doctors to other countries. Some of our people who want to become vets, because the points are so high, are going to places like Poland for their education in veterinary medicine. So uh, the government took heed of all of this, and the HEA, the Higher Education Authority, sought expressions of interest for a new veterinary school or how or how veterinary medicine might be better delivered in this country. The University of Limerick, um, decided to put itself forward as one of the interested parties. There are others, the Atlantic Technological University being one. But um, the article here by Dan Danahar on page eight of The Champion is talking about, the, uh, about Deputy McNamara in the Dáil, who is asking the minister for, who, who, who is, has endorsed the UL uh, interest in the new veterinary school and is saying essentially why Munster deserves it because there is a significant shortage of as Deputy McNamara said vets for big animals there's a lot of vets now going into the pet world and they're making a lot of money because of course there is a lot of money in pets but there is a shortage I mean Tom Hanley if he was here would very quickly tell us that there is a shortage here um, so the HEA uh, and the minister, ultimately it will be a political decision, it will be a government decision.
1: We'll see what happens. Um, but, but there's only 85 uh, course places in UCD that's all. each year. And yeah. you have 40 in Hungary, people going to Hungary, and you have 70 in Poland. Hmm. So you have more people um, abroad. abroad than
2: you have. And of
0: course it makes the points very high. When there's exactly.
1: When there are so few
2: places, yeah. the competition is, is, is it's 581 points or something like that. So it's as high as any of the other medicines, med- mm-hmm. medical areas. So it, it would be it, uh, 60 years ago when, the, when, when people in this area and in Limerick uh, and in Tipperary were campaigning for the establishment of a university, one of the things they called for was the establishment of a veterinary school. So it would sort of close that circle if it came about.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the Minister for Agriculture and Mechanical states the, the establishment of a new business school is, a, is ultimately a decision for his colleague Minister Harris and the Department of Further and Higher Education, Research and Innovation so yes. passing the book I think okay, that's well, what if that's we need,
0: called If we need more vets yeah. and we've only X number of places we need more places mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pat, I just want you and then we're, we're running short of time would you give a run through, there's a number of events on uh concerts and, and events on stage over the next while that are covered in the paper do Mike?
1: yeah i do, uh, just uh on on, on um uh Dunbeg, I, I suppose it's the time of the year for the for the um, the drama and yeah. uh Dunbeg is on at the present time jim and um you have other you have other uh drama groups around the country as well uh, I see, I see uh, Shannon Seidler there, they're, they're putting on their drama um, side, and Caleb Isaac, there's uh, another group that's putting on, and I see are putting on theirs as well, so there's various ones you have. Um, and I know in, in Scariff you have the sleeve uh, drama yeah, group, two, next yeah. weekend, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, Sunday, and yeah. they're putting
0: on, yeah. uh, I think, two small, two one-act plays, if I'm... No. Memory Saint right. in With the in the G A R here
1: beside the, Scarif, the studio, yeah. and um, you have the West Galway Festival in Dunbeg, and that's from Saturday the fourth, to Sunday the twelfth of March, mm-hmm. and you have various uh, groups and that as well. And coming um, up to Greer now in Tulla, they have a uh, events there over the over for March and Friday. They have the first Friday singing night. It's the it's a shadow singing night. It's on the first Friday of every month, so it's on uh, on night the march march of the Fort, uh, and the fourth Martin, you know, and the fourth meeting you have pj Mori and Shane shannon and then saturday the uh, 18th of march you have frankie gavin and catherine McHugh, and uh, saturday the 25th of march the fogs the, Fogues, the uh, tribe folk and so i um tickets you can get tickets by eventbrite or maybe on the door on the night if it's not sort of
0: and and staying with um with entertainment I see Seamus Bugler has got an award, it's in, I think it's in the living section, maybe page eight, there's a number of photographs there on page eight, yeah, of the living section of the care champion, and uh, Seamus, yeah, and a very photogenic individual, uh, always, but um, he's known, of course, for his music, and there's two photographs there in the town and country section, You've Seamus uh, Looking out there at the camera, and also yeah. I
3: think
1: Christy McMahon from Feetel <laughs> is, is down and uh, down there as well. Like, um, I think Pat Pat's in demand. <laughs> 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 um, Seamus is the area uh, yeah, as he got his award uh, open, open, um, open Feetal. and uh, so sort of well, uh, well deserved an award for for, for Seamus. Yeah. From, from Jim, Cox. there's some
2: fantastic photographs in the living section, uh, and I just highlight one of them. Uh, there's, there's there's four pictures uh, on page four and five of young people um, playing chess um, from various... It's a, nat- it's a national school. It's the primary school chess tournament. And there's some fantastic facial expressions going on and the focus and the attention. But there's one particular young fella, and he's just after looking across at his opponent, I'd say, what have you done with this particular move? But anyway, I recommend I recommend listeners if there is uh, if there's one good reason to have a look and buy the Clare Champion, I'd just buy it for that reason alone.
0: Okay.
3: Look, Jim, Jim. Before we finish, just two things. Um, it's uh, on page three, delivering in the champion, and Park also has it on page eight. Uh, Road still rising for Hayes as activist launches meant more. It took place last night. Dermot Hayes launched his. Uh, biography, or sorry, a, men, a memoir, we'll say, in, in, in Corriffin. And uh, most of us have come across, uh, uh, we'll say, Dermot oh, at because. one stage of yes, around the country. We, we wish him the very best of luck with it. A, a great activist in his own right, and Absolutely. a great orator as well. and I look forward to re- reading that book. And we we'll just give um, a, a little bit of a plug as well to... Uh, uh, the Claire uh, we say the host of uh, the morning focus on Claire Femme Alan Morrissey is taking part in the, the great challenge We we'll say that's been you know, organised by AMS Ireland 3,000 push-ups uh, in March and there's a picture of him on page 19 in the echo and I'll say that I don't think we'd be involved in I was just going to say like that, that Luke one. might be
2: suggesting <laughs> that we might be doing something yeah, in that regard well,
3: well, <laughs> morning folks it's Monday Friday we, we only
0: do weekend <laughs> I don't think we have enough time to do well I would say well done and good luck to our, our colleague in yeah. care
1: FM. yeah exactly and we say if you want to learn more about it there you can uh, uh, visit wwwms lovely yeah there's a beautiful fourth, another photograph. A beautiful photograph there on the back with 20 kelly and uh, 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 I don't know how many what. hurlis there's, 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 there's many anyway out and he had to sign them and I heard it in, and, and in the radio last Sunday after the clear match, and uh, there was a report and said that um, Tony Kelly was ghost with young fellows and um, signing hollies, and he signed every one of them. It's so, um, just, just a lovely photograph, and there's one small fellow in, in here at the very bottom. And he's, <laughs> I'd be worried he's, about he's, him, actually. He's trying to get in, and there's, <laughs> there's more hollies over his head. Yes. <laughs>
0: and look, a lovely photograph on the front page of the character. Exactly, and who, who else
3: would... Uh, John, John Kelly, oh, yeah, um, the, yeah. with a, a picture, we say, of the forthcoming production by East Clare Musical Society of Sister Act, and you had uh, Shane O'Callaghan, Grace Guilfoyle Claire Daly, and uh, Conor McGrath. Uh, you could have thought it might have been a, a scene out of Father Ted there at one stage, but no, it's, it's uh, for Sister Act. Okay. Uh, and you have you have the sisters on the front page, Jim, and then you have uh, the the. How, not the sisters on the back page of when, when some of our sorry. colleagues the, in the, the sisterhood yes, some of our yeah.
0: colleagues in this radio station called the people <laughs> called this show the men's <laughs> shade yeah. the men's show <laughs> so that's where <So>, wrong <laughs> it's it <laughs> a certain trepidation that uh, Luke refers to page 22 of the back page of the care champion international women's day yeah. next Wednesday well, well, what I
3: refer to it is uh, there are some of uh, John favourite people are photographed here on the back of it, uh, his favourite councillor, councillor uh, Mary Howard, Donna McGetigan, Claire Collard Malloy and councillor Anne Norton, uh, all members of course of the council and the one thing they have in common of course, all ladies and uh, the headline is a global celebration of the achievements of women. Yeah. Okay. So but there
2: is another, Jim, there's another photograph here, the Southern Regional Assembly, which I'd love to know what it does, but embrace, embracing impact of women in public life. I've counted the number of women... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the photograph. There's five women and there's 17 men.
3: And <laughs> three of the women are in the back row. I really exactly. Be
2: right that. So it's not a great indictment, but they are probably trying to do... They want to get more women into public life. Yes, it's isn't.
3: gender balance because there's loads of other women photographed on the back page, so they have to throw a in <laughs> well.
0: So to all our female listeners, we wish them all the best uh, on Wednesday next, March the 8th
2: and all the women behind us. Um, Mairead, I'd like, to, I'd like to throw a, sh- uh, a shout-out to Mairead O'Brien, who, who provides the, this men's shed with some sustenance Once yes. we've finished. So, Mairead, if you're listening, thanks very much, and keep the cooking going. Here.
0: <laughs> Listen, we have to finish up there uh, to um, Pat. Many thanks, Pat. Thanks, you. And to David. Thanks, Jim. And to off-the-bench again, Luke. Thanks, uh, another Luke. stirring performance. Thank you very much. Um, Pat, can we go to you for with a, a piece of music?
1: With the Vendor and uh, the second walls.
0: The second walls? Second walls. Uh, okay. There might, if they're on, might, might be a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Many <laughs> thanks anyway. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you again, please God, next Sunday afternoon. Uh, from us here, goodbye and God bless.